Our theme in Lent has been holy ground, sacred space. I hope your Lenten journey has been enriched by the devotionals that each of us receive every morning. Perhaps you have taken the book home for reading. Those themes, too, are holy ground and sacred space. Today's theme is, or place and ground, is wilderness. The passage I'm about to read for you is familiar, I think, to many of you. It is when Jesus is driven by the Spirit out into the wilderness, and there he encounters the devil, or Satan. Satan literally is um, translated as one's accuser, adversary, one's challenger. And so it recounts just earlier in the story that Jesus, it says, was about 30 years old when he began his ministry, and when he was baptized. And then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then his adversary led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, to you I will give the glory and all the authority for it has been given over to me and I'll give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Then the challenger took him to Jerusalem, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered his accuser, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. This ends the reading from the Gospel of Matthew. May these words, which once transformed the disciples' hearts, transform our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? Gracious and merciful God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. I'm not talking about camping or hiking in the woods or or going to the boundary waters. I'm talking about the sometimes real and sometimes metaphorical wildernesses we find ourselves in. You might recognize them. Sometimes they are the place where we wrestle with ourselves, wrestle with our spirit, wrestle with our relationship with God. Maybe we wrestle with grief. Jesus is intentionally led out to both a real and a metaphorical wilderness. And he goes. I mean, why would anyone go there? What good can come of the wilderness? I mean, let's face it, going into the wilderness is not something that you can, well, put on your resume. It's not going to earn you a dime or 
help get a bonus. Going into the wilderness probably won't make your life any easier, and for a bit, for a bit, it might make it harder. Why go to the wilderness? And yet, that is what the season of Lent asks of you and of me. Forty days we are asked to go to a wilderness place. That's how long Jesus was in the wilderness. And prepare ourselves once again for discipleship. Well, all of that is why Lent is probably not particularly popular in our culture. I don't think this will come as any surprise to most of you that our attendance at our Ash Wednesday services, which were close to 100, but still the attendance at Ash Wednesday, even at Monday, Thursday, Catherine Meredith, this is true, isn't it, will be dwarfed by the attendance here on Easter Sunday. I mean, Easter is going to feel like the celebration of the resurrection. It's a joyful party, right? But how many of us, how many of us like to go early and help set up for the party? But that's Lent. I mean, you heard it, right? You heard the story from which the season comes from. The Spirit, the Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness there for 40 days, and he fasts. And Satan, again, simply meaning one's challenger, accuser, one's adversary, begins this dialogue of challenges with Jesus. And I will tell you, Jesus' accuser reveals that he is, among other things, very biblically literate. Because the last challenge, climb up to the pinnacle, throw yourself down, and it says, and it does in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, that the Messiah will be lifted up by the angels. Satan knows exactly what Bible verses to quote when he puts Jesus to this wilderness test. But, and this is really important when people go around quoting the Bible, Jesus knows more than what the Bible simply says. As one pastor writes, Jesus knows how to do what the Bible says. And that's how he passes his wilderness exam. Every time Jesus' adversary offered him more more bread, more power, more protection from those angels who will lift him up, Jesus turns him down. I mean... I imagine this had to have been extremely difficult for Jesus to do. We affirm that Jesus, divine, but is also fully human. And I imagine that some of the temptations, quite frankly, might have been not metaphorical, but actual literal. Jesus is sort of making trouble. He's on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee at the time. He's making trouble because he's telling the poor and the oppressed and the peasants that they are as loved by God as any rich person is. He is telling the peasants that even the empires, in this case the Roman Empire, every empire will always be toppled by God's justice and mercy. And it's beginning to cause problems for the folk in Tiberias, which is just around Sea of Galilee shore. I imagine one of the Roman leaders, one of the procurators just below a governor would have come looking for Jesus up on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee and and sees him standing before what was a motley and hungry hungry crew of folk. And and I imagine the temptation might have been very literal. He might have said, 
Jesus. May I call you Jesus? Is that okay? You know, if you stop saying these things about every empire is tumbled by justice and mercy. If you stop telling this, and he looks out motley crew, I'm not pointing to you so much, but that is so hungry, if you stop telling them they are just as equal in God's eyes as an emperor or the wealthy are, if you stop, next harvest, puts his arm around Jesus, next harvest, plenty of grain for you and your disciples. I mean, look out, he'd say, when you see the sands and when you see the desert in, in Israel, it is the most monochromatic place, and it's just tens of thousands of little stones. If you keep quiet, keep them under control, next harvest, there will be as much bread for you as there are stones in the desert. You know what? They might even think you're sent from God if you feed them. And Jesus says, no. No to the bread, no to the kingdoms, no to the angelic bodyguards. He is full up, he says, on worshiping God alone. I mean, anyone, I think, who has spent time in the wilderness considers making a deal. I mean, when you're in the wilderness, nothing is certain. The rules seem suspended. We don't know even what the tomorrow will bring because when we're in the wilderness, we're waiting for the results of the MRI. We're praying that our children will be safe. We're hoping the job doesn't get eliminated. The wilderness is rough terrain, and I think the temptation is to always want to make a deal. And yet it's in the wilderness where God clarifies what is important. Some point suggested, and I think it's probably true, that the wisdom about the value of the wilderness is just about lost in our culture, and it's almost lost even in the Christian tradition, and we're charged with preserving it. I mean, those congregations that still observe Lent may get a dose of it every year or so around this time, but so often we know that Lent gets reduced to simply being in agreement that we're going to cut down on the number of glasses of wine we have at dinner or skipping a dessert. But the writer reminds us that the kernel of the wisdom is still there. That anyone who wants to follow Jesus all the way to the cross needs the kind of clarity, maybe even the kind of grit, that is found only in the wilderness. Many of you know, we say it every year, that the word Lent comes from the English word meaning to spring. But it's not just a reference to the, the crocuses pushing their way up out of the ground in the season before Lent. But it's also, as someone said, about the greening of the human soul. Fertilized with fasting, pruned with self-appraisal, mulched with prayer. It does take quite a bit of living before we discover that Lent isn't about punishing ourselves for being human. It takes even some patience before we figure out Lent isn't about giving up Reese's peanut butter cups um, or taking an extra fitness class. In fact, as one preacher suggests, 
If you and I, if we have spent a lot of time, if we've spent a lot of money trying to acquire whatever it takes to grow our souls, and we haven't seen any new buds or growth, well then maybe, maybe a spell in the wilderness is worth a try. A few weeks of living on less, not more. A few weeks of living on less, not because our regular life is bad, but because we want to make sure that this one is our real life, the one we long to be living. And that is a gift from the wilderness. Amen.